welcome one and all to Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends, the actual play podcast that steals. What does that mean? That means that we take stories from corporations and come back and tell our own fanfic-inspired actual plays with them. We do things like a Star Wars podcast that takes place 300 years after The Last Jedi. What if any Zoids media was good? We tell stories in those spaces that are better than the ones that the corporations tell us because we're not fucking cowards. Please, come join us at Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends to hear a plethora of wonderful stories every once in a while on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends. Hosted by me, Riley Hopkins. And welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all but the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The House of Hades. We're in the final stretch. How are you today, Jane? I'm 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 feeling good. I've just kind of I've just come out of the end of like my my finals. It's been very stressful. I've I spent all afternoon like uh <laughs> edging my emotional breakdown I'll, I'll i keep kind of having to put it off but i'll get there eventually uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> you can have it as soon as we're done recording don't worry exactly it'll it'll all burst out <laughs> uh how are you jacqueline uh i am okay i i'm, I'm feeling pretty good i i'm think i finally figured out how to make this microphone sound decent you do sound better than usual Thank you, thank you. It turns out, uh, I, if you turn it, I, I turned it so it's facing me, uh, and it's helping uh, a lot. Uh, why were you not doing that already? I couldn't figure out how to. It's I've never used a microphone that has like a hook arm before. Couldn't you just like move your chair until your face was facing? The well, it was like sideways. It was like sideways. Yeah, but that, that, then you move yourself so that you're no longer sideways. Well, I wasn't sideways. It was, like, on the desk. Like, on the desk. Listen. Okay. <laughs> we're not here to criticize Jacqueline. We're here to criticize Rick Riordan. <laughs> yeah, Rick Riordan, what's the deal with your microphones? I'm I'm sure if we listened to his videos, we could, like, criticize his audio quality or something if we wanted to. His videos? I don't know. He's done a video before, probably. Probably. I'm sure there'll be, like, a behind-the-scenes, like, thing for the Percy Jackson TV show. Which is just him, like, walking around the set going, now look at this, this is so cool, look at how accurate this prop is. Whoa, look at this, this is just like my favorite television show, The Mandalorian. This is just like my favorite television show, Psych. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, we won't be talking about uh, uh, House of Hades today, actually. <laughs> Psych, yes really? we will. Oh, I see. Uh, Jane, how about I give you those chapter summaries? You have no idea that I just had a fucking fight or flight reflex to you doing that. A little bit of that emotional breakdown dribbled out early. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, it was a ruined emotional breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, okay. Uh, Chapter 63, Percy. 
They're here. The doors of death are like an evil version of Olympus's elevators. (laughs) 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 Fuck These books are fucking stupid. This podcast is fucking stupid. These books are stupid. And right now it's being guarded by the Titans, Hyperion, and Cryos. The way they work is that a group gets in, someone holds the button for 12 minutes, and then the doors teleport away. Gaia has them chained down, so they're stuck. Uh, If you take your finger off the button before 12 minutes are up, the trip will incomplete. Bob volunteers to stay behind, but Percy doesn't think he'll be enough to actually do it. The two of them will have to work together, and Annabeth will need to escape alone. But first, they gotta get this door unchained. Chapter 64, Percy. While Annabeth and Percy get into position, Bob approaches his brothers as a distraction. Hyperion bullies him for a bit, Cryos complains about being given too much work, and... Bob makes the argument that they're weaklings for backing Gaia, considering she never showed up for the Titans during the Titan War. They're interrupted by the elevator dinging, and while the Titans try to find the next group to get through the door, Annabeth and Percy seize the opportunity and jump to cut the chains, but are stopped by an explosion that vaporizes Cryos Niperion. The main man himself has arrived to kill them, Tartarus. Chapter 65, Frank. Up in the world of the living, the crew of the Argo 2 have arrived in Greece. They're getting closer to the House of Hades. By this point, even Frank can see the Black Lightning. He goes to find Coach Hedge and ends up overhearing the end of an Iris message with Millie, the Aura. Coach reveals to Frank that they're actually married and she's pregnant. Because of that, he's worried he'll die and not be there for her and his child. The only reason he's telling Frank all this is because he's kind of fond of kids of Ares. He was even the one who brought Clarice to Camp Half-Blood. Frank goes back above deck after that conversation, and Leo, who Frank has noticed is a lot chiller since coming back, shows off the fireproof pouch he has now. Frank trusts him with his wood, pouches it, and decides to keep it on himself from now on. By then, their journeys come to its destination, the House of Hades. Chapter 66, Frank. After descending, the crew eat the poison-absorbing barley cakes, drink the poison, and begin into the house, led by Hazel and Nico. When they get to the second level, though, Hazel's underground sense stops working, so the going isn't quite as steady. Inside of an ancestor communication room, Frank hears a mysterious voice say they're awaiting him in Pylos, and that at the break he must take charge. The next room they get to should take them to the third level, and the altar of Hades that it contains, but nobody knows which of the split paths to take. Except Frank, who sees a Roman legionnaire ghost beckoning to him. When they walk that way, though, hundreds of monsters flood the room. The gang gets separated, and Frank urges Hazel and Leo to go ahead without the rest of them. But the tunnel collapses above them, and he's left to fight without knowing if they even survived. Chapter 67, Frank. Nico uses the Scepter of Diocletian to summon backup, a bunch of zombie legionnaires. The problem is, they're mostly just wandering around uselessly, so the battle goes disastrously. Frank can't even transform after he gets shot with an arrow. Nico tries to command the dead Romans, but he's Greek, so it's useless. I think you're fine, he's Italian. You know what I mean. <laughs> Fucking the manja, the Italian gods, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but when Jason tries it, it doesn't work either. Frank realizes that Jason's gone over to the Greek side as well, in spirit. So he's the ranking Roman officer, and he's able to command all the zombies when Jason resigns and gives Frank an emergency field promotion to Praetor. Immediately, the tide begins to turn. Chapter 68, Frank. Frank isn't just a tactical commander. He leads from the front, and when he does, he's unstoppable. 
he takes down Cyclopes, Telekines, you name it, and they manage to kill every last monster. The battle is over. He led them to victory. Frank's battle aura disappears, and he dismisses the Roman zombies, allowing them to disintegrate. They're about to continue down further to try and find Hazel and Leo, but Nico doubles over when he senses what's going down on Tartarus. He says, mm. But Nico doubles over when he senses what's going on down in Tartarus. He says that although the tunnel forward has collapsed, there's still one other way, but it won't be fun. I d- did not mean to say what's going down on Tartarus. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Jane. Gaia, what- presumably. <laughs> so, Jane, what do you think of these chapters? Uh. I I got I got to say I'm feeling a little bit underwhelmed by like the end game of this book. Yeah. So far. I know that we've got like what, how many pages left? Almost 100. Almost 100. Never mind. Actually, I should probably shut my mouth. I mean, I I say almost 100. My ebook has like I think like 80 or 90 left and we are in like the last 3 or 4 episodes. So this out oh, of how fucking good, long uh-huh. A good chunk of this is glossary apparently. Oh, okay. So yeah, we're pretty close to the end. Five, eight, two. We're about sixty pages from the end. Okay. Okay. In that case, yes, I, I, I am feeling a little bit underwhelmed. Well, so tell me your problems. I think uh, Tatra showing up as just like a guy, kind of. I feel like that un- really undercuts like some of the the best parts of this book, which have been just like cool gigantic cosmic horror Tartarus stuff yeah plus like the house of hades is the house of hades feels like a kind of a repeat of uh uh annabeth mark of athena quest where it's kind of hype hyped up for the whole book and there's just kind of like three rooms yeah i mean we have more chapters hopefully it's more than three rooms but uh yeah so far it's not i think it's a bit better than annabeth mark of athena quest but yeah Plus, like, the the poison and the barley cakes don't seem to do anything. Uh-huh. It's interesting <laughs> to put in, and maybe this will come back later, you know. It's interesting to put in two things that just cancel each other out. They don't really, they just make it so that neither of them really need to exist in the plot at all. Which I guess, I, it kind of, I guess you could say that it, like, it, it's a reward for Frank for doing so well in Venice that he kind of gets the bonus that means they don't have to deal with this. But I feel like that would hit better if we had, like, if the characters had to experience the problem before solving it, you know? Yeah, that would hit better if this was, like, a video game. Uh, and this isn't a video yeah, game. This yeah, yeah, that was, like, a side quest you could do. Yeah. Uh, and because it's a book, it kind of just makes it feel like... It makes it feel like, all right, well, I set this up earlier. I guess I'll write a sentence quickly. Uh, talking about the poison, talking about the barley. But I don't... I don't know. It doesn't feel significant yet. You know what it reminds me of? What? Uh, Percy getting that um, seashell at the end of Battle of the Labyrinth, and then it like comes oh, back yeah. to the last Olympian to just like immediately solve a problem. Uh huh. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I think I'm a bit higher on these chapters than you are, yeah. but I get where you're coming from a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, this, I like some stuff in here. Try and turn me around. What, what were the good bits? The good bits. There's a lot of good bits. First of all, Frank is finally becoming who we always want him to be. Yes. Uh, Frank is really achieving uh, his character arc. Uh, some the Frank of the... redemption arc is real. It really is. Uh, I think that 
like you said, Tardra showing up kind of undercuts it. Still a really cool moment and a really cool, uh, like, unique god design. Mm. Uh, and I would say that uh, I really... <laughs> There are some genuinely, like, heartfelt, emotional beats here, uh, especially the scene with, and I can't fucking believe I'm going to say this, Coach Hedge. It's fucking wild that this actually kind of hits. Yeah. Because we predicted this. Yeah, we did. (laughs) I think you did, specifically. (laughs) Oh, I guess I didn't know that he was married. I would never have taken Coach Hedge for a married man. Nah. Yeah, that's what we get, right? Uh, Frank walks in, the end of a conversation. It's a, it's like funny because they're doing the whole like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Well, I, you know, I kind of sound like this. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, much, but it's a, it's a good little back and forth bit uh, that works because we've spent a lot of time with these characters. We know their voices, uh, and they actually have a bit of a pre-established relationship. Like we, we saw Frank and how Co- Frank and Coach Hedge interact, and I think. What was that fucking book? The one was that just Mark of Athena? The one where they so, went to the aquarium? Yeah, they went to the aquarium together in Mark of Athena. Yeah, which feels like seven books ago, but you know. It really fucking does. Uh and I I will admit, I when he started talking about when he started getting really sentimental and talking about how um like he you know, he's fond of kids of Ares and that there is this Honorary little girl who he brought to Camp Half Blood named Clarice. I started tearing up. Oh, I j- yeah, I, I I love the Clarice backstory. Any Clarice content is good. It is, yeah, and it it makes Coach Hedge feel a lot more human, uh, mm. so to speak. And it, <laughs> yeah, like uh huh. And it del- it, I like this moment of connection a lot. It's very good. I have a question about Coach Hedge. Yeah. So Frank didn't know he was married, which to me implies that Coach Hedge is not wearing a wedding ring. Uh-huh. Which further implies that he got married and then immediately ditched his wife, got on a boat to go on a, a trip around all the exotic locales of Europe in the middle of summer without wearing his wedding ring. I, I mean, I think that's exactly what happened, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> assuming there was a wedding ring, right? But, like, it's... It, it, it does seem like one of those, like, emergency weddings that you do right before someone might die. That's true. That's true. I'm just trying to imply that um, Coach Hedge was kind of hoping to get a lot of, you know, he was hoping to vi- He was hoping to visit the beaches, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, scope out some talent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I just realized something that makes the cover of my book infinitely worse. Okay. Uh, just as we, as we were talking about Tartarus, um, fucking... It's it's Percy Nanabeth squaring up against a big CGI hell beast. This no. is probably Tartarus. Oh, the big, the big red CGI beast. Maybe that's why I found him so underwhelming. I was wondering what the CGI beast was. God, that's horrible. I uh, <laughs> I don't like that at all. But I, I this does make me wonder what it, what does it mean to be married to someone when you are a satyr and a fucking aura. Um, very little, I guess, because he just immediately ditched. (laughs) I mean, yes, but, like, what are the fucking, like, what does it mean to have a traditional family if you are, like, Greek spirits? It's a good question, actually. It's obviously, like, where do they live? Do they live together? Is marriage a thing? Like, this isn't really a concept we've 
heard of a lot before. Like, we've heard of marriage, sure, but, like, amongst uh, the gods and much weirder things than what this sounds like. It has come up before. Uh, if we if we think back to uh, Battle of the Labyrinth, uh, Percy's mom did get married in that one. Oh. So it has come yeah, up before. Yeah, you're right. fucking thanks jane Uh, you know what i mean like i i don't really understand like you don't i don't understand what it means for them to be married i don't know why it's like i i don't understand how this concept applies to them necessarily because it feels so jarring with like what we know of the way that like all of them live but it's it's being used for a purpose here, right? It's a trope. It's the fucking like you know, it it's it goes hand in hand with the like oh you know I was five days away from retirement. Yeah, he's got like the picture of Melly on like in the cockpit of his fighter plane. Exactly, in the <laughs> cockpit of his like in, of his like dirty dishes. He's keeping a locket in there. <laughs> I love that Coach Hedge's room is just like he's a grown up frat bro and he's never changed. I I mean, that really does illuminate a lot about his character, I think. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and then he's he's left behind, because Frank is like, no, you need to go home to your wife and kid. Yeah, maybe he'll save them at the last minute. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll sacrifice himself for them, because I don't <laughs> think there's any way Coach Hedge is making it out of the series alive. No. <laughs> it's really I I'm I'm pulling for Coach Hedge to get out. I I, I want him and Melly and little baby gleason jr i don't know uh, <laughs> fucking imagine being named gleason jr <laughs> i i want them to to get out of this okay i want them to stick around through at least the end of like book two of trial trials of follow but it's such a huge death flag of course it is of course it is <laughs> Fra- even frank knows that that's why he tells them to stay behind he's like you know you are narratively marked for death at this point we need to keep you in like a bubble it would actually be very funny if they did make his trials of this book to a trials of Apollo and he still died. <laughs> that would be funny. It's like he gets foot and mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Imagine. Do you think there are like feet people, but for clo like cloven hooves? <laughs> <laughs> Undoubtedly. Okay, moving on. I right, listen. The My Little Pony people have they they got to look at something. I guess you're. I guess you're right. Uh, God, let, fuck. Uh-huh. I. It's a good. My fucking assessments. I think I told you about this. Yeah. We get we get the plagiarism reports for them that like scan most of the internet and are like, oh, we found these phrases here. Did you steal them? And I have to be like, no. Uh, and it claimed that part of my submission was stolen from a My Little Pony x Naruto crossover fan fiction. Called the Adventures of the Equestrian Ninja, which is two hundred thousand words long, it's and this fucking an ac- this was telling me that my academic submission was plagiarizing from it. It's a saga that that <laughs> one day that will contain like every sentence. That, it will be like the Library of Babel. It will contain every se- like possible <laughs> sentence. They should they should like uh, register the Library of Babel on Turnitin, the the plagiarism software. Just so that it fucks over every single piece of work that's submitted. I just think that would be funny. I think that would be funny. <laughs> I, when you first sent me that, I was really hoping you would find out that you would like, you had like 
subconsciously copied like a few sentences over from like Mark of Athena into your project into your project. <laughs> I mean, no, I've 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 already I've already experienced the Percy Jackson based play um, uh, feedback humiliation when fucking I I put in that submission and it, the feedback I got on it was oh this really reminds me of the Percy Jackson books by Rick Riordan and uh-huh. that wasn't what I was going for at all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you're a poor soul, but you're done with it for now. So good work. Thank you. Uh, I let, let's before we continue with Frank, let's hop back to uh, Percy and Annabeth down in Tartarus. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because you know those are our, those are our shorter chapters. We can get through those a bit easier. We we had a little chuckle at the beginning of this uh, of these chapter summaries about the doors of death. Uh. Just what, being... a fucking elevator? It's just an elevator. <laughs> not like a. There's not. I was expecting like the Black Gate from Mordor or something. Y- sure. Yeah, I was expecting like. I wasn't expecting an elevator that teleports. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Like it makes me just imagine. Like it's it's funny in a very good Percy Jackson way. Is what it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just love to imagine Thanatos like having to like teleport around with it constantly it's kind of a, just an amazing image i guess like he's also an eternal doorman thanatos is the lamest greek god in this series i think you think so i think he's just a fucking he's a door guy and a data entry guy like he carries around that tablet so he can like check people off his list to make sure they're in the right place but he's also like relatable because because of that <laughs> it makes you think that one day you could be like a one-winged angel sexy man one day you could be chained up in alaska and force a child to burn like several decades of their lifespan to free you and isn't that and what we all want in the end it is it is uh we get like i i think the concept of this is fun uh like having to press it for 12 minutes straight that's that's actually like that's like the bleak note that you kind of need for them to get out through this gauntlet on, right? Yeah, yeah. I was I'll say that I was I was expecting Bob to volunteer. Like I was I was like that is probably how it's going to go. But I wasn't expecting Percy to like think he had to stay down there as well. Yeah, I assumed this was just going to be like a oh, well that that sucks, but go on without me. Bye, Bob. Yeah, yeah. So I especially after how much of this book has been like Percy and Annabeth making hopes for their future Mm. it's it's it really feels like percy being like well you know i said all that to like get us through this uh but i know that like it's it's his self-sacrificing streak coming to a head like him being like well you know that that was all well and good then but this is what needs to be done to like actually actually make sure about the safe appropriately for who shows up in this chapter it's the titan's curse (laughs) yeah what do you think of Percy thing he has to stay down there too? I mean this is this is a classic Percy moment, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he is like as soon as again, he will seek out shit to eat. He always has a little tincture of it that he has from the stables that he just keeps with him whenever <laughs> whenever life is going a little bit too good. Uh he's haunted by the stables, Annabeth is haunted by all the cows pooping around her. God. There's a weird amount of cows happening in this chapter that I wasn't expecting. A lot of people don't like cows, and I'm not entirely sure why. 
Yeah, I understand Annabeth not liking cows, right? That we, we I got it. Yeah. Uh, but then there's all these, like, Hades death cows, too. And Piper reiterating, yeah, I don't like cows. With Did we miss a short story or something where, like, Piper was attacked by a murderous cow? I don't think so. I was... Did we fill this in ourselves, or did she actually say at one point that, like, because she hung out with Annabeth so much, she also experienced all the cow shitting? I think we we backfilled that. I don't think that was ever, like, actually said. Well, I I guess I'll just still stick with that, because it doesn't make sense otherwise. Yeah, otherwise, it's, I guess maybe she hates cows because she's a vegan. No, that doesn't make any sense. That's the opposite of what it would be. <laughs> Yeah. Is she a vegan or a vegetarian? I forget. Vegetarian, sorry, my mistake. Okay. I... Yeah, because she eats cheese sandwiches. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, the the conversation that Bob has with uh, Hyperion and Creos is, it's interesting because it really, it, we get more of that, like, Titan dynamic uh, yeah. that I think we've been sorely messing up to this point. Yeah, definitely. The Titans are kind of I the, the, I love how similar the Titans are to the Olympians, to be honest. Because yeah. the, the giants so in these books have kind of mostly just been big, uh, shouty ar- assholes, but the Titans have like they have that, and they ha- also have like the extreme levels of arrogance that the Olympians also have. So right, very yeah. Fun to see that. Yeah, and they have a real like you can tell they all have a real history. Like they're always going into their like petty gripes and squabbles, mm. uh, like. Hyperion just being a total asshole to to uh, Bob, being like, oh, you were always the 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 soft West son or whatever, like the soft West uh, Titan. And it's it's very like I don't know. I it, you're right. It's very it's a good like spot to like identify this as being parallel to the Olympians because I think that you can make a lot of uh a, a lot out of like. When the Olympians get together, they're also exactly like this, yeah. uh, which is like it's also a bit rare. But like we saw this in like certain scenes among like. I mean, this was um, this was Poseidon and Zeus's entire dynamic and Lightning Thief. Exactly. Just the constant bitching and sniping at one another. It's very good. Right. It is very good. Uh, and yeah, but. I, I, I like that Bob has, like, very clearly developed, like, just the ideas of his own, I guess. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think it's cool that, like, he has gotten a character arc in this book. Yeah, I think, I think we are out of, like, the era where he will, like, snap back to being Iapetus and kill them. I think, like, he, he is, like, a, a just a different person now. Mm-hmm. And I I really appreciate that because I think it would have been so easy to just like make it like oh he's the last minute threat or something. Mm, yeah, exactly. And uh, who knows? Maybe that'll still happen. It could. Maybe you. I don't know. I don't want to judge too early, but it could happen. I don't want to judge too early. I also don't want people to call us idiots in the Discord for discounting something that happens in like four chapters. <laughs> I I think our Discord people are nice. If you're mean, <laughs> join the Discord and <laughs> call us idiots, I guess. But also give us money on Patreon. Sorry, you're you're allowed to do it if you donate at three dollars or above. Patreon.com/slash/wisegirls. Uh-huh. One dollar above, it's not allowed. <laughs> One dollar below. If you don't, if you donate fifty cents to us and call us bitches, we will block you. <laughs> After taking your fifty cents. Obviously, you're not getting that refunded. Uh, uh, there's like a little 
thing where Hyperion and Cryos are like, oh, like, I want to kill Percy. Like, I want to kill Jay. Like, we'll, we'll swap and kill the one who killed us instead. Uh, and I, I thought that was, that was quite fun. That's fun. I think we were talking a couple of weeks ago about how, like, it would be cool if, like, Percy and Jason had to, like, swap Titans and they both killed one another. So maybe that's what we're working up to. Well, maybe. But also they might just be uh, inside of Tartarus now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. I want to I talk about this description because I, I think as much as I, I do kind of agree with you that this kind of undercuts uh, most of what we were seeing... I, I do just like like his appearance, I guess. Mm. Uh, first of all, Percy cannot look directly at Tartarus. That is that is that is continuing with the like when you see when the Elder God or whatever is actually here, you will not be able to look at it. Yeah, uh, I I'm reminded of obviously this is like a Cthulhu thing or whatever, but this is also um, this shows up in It Stephen King's It. Uh, the kids can't look directly into like the lights that the giant evil spider uh like has or else mm. they will just die per- so we get the scene of percy like tracing him like with his eyes like the outline of him uh, yeah that, that is very cool and he's like bright purple which <laughs> isn't it isn't makes him feel a lot more cartoony i think yeah big guy who is purple and has huge muscly arms. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think the head is where it works. Uh, worst of all was his head, a helmet of twisted rock and metal with no particular shape, just jagged spikes and pulsing patches of magma. His entire face was a whirlpool, an inward spile of darkness. As Percy watched, the last particles of Titan essence from Hyperion and Kratos were vacuumed into the warrior's maw. Uh... I, I like that he doesn't have a head, really. He is just, like, a black hole. Yeah, I I, I think you'll find that uh, it's actually just, like, a normal Greek uh, warrior helmet with, like, a dark face and two red eyes in there. Uh-huh. That's what it is on the cover of this fucking book, anyway. God fucking damn it. <laughs> I... But no, the description yeah. rules. You're right. It is very... It is, I, I like that we're at least not, like... We're not just getting, like, a dude, you know? We're not completely discarding, like, the horrible existential shit. Yeah, and, like, there are a lot of, like, little bits of description that add to that. Like, uh, like each of his boots are as large as a coffin. Uh, mm. Like, he makes a sound like a mountain cracking in half. Maybe it's a roar or a laugh. Uh, yeah. It, it's it, There's a lot of good bits there. But, I don't know, I think you're right that him showing up does undercut like the the horror of tartarus a little bit as it like right now I, it, it's kind of what happened with nyx right Mm-hmm. yeah yeah to a lesser extent i guess because nyx was very much played as a joke but like uh-huh. the idea of tartarus is just like this huge like i'm not ambiguously what am i thinking vaguely evil body that they are like walking on that is like so huge and so ancient that like Percy and Annabeth are like just completely beneath his notice it was kind of like that's scarier that's scarier than the actual guy showing up because it kind of it, it gives it gives an idea of like that there is evil in this world that is so like ancient and cosmic and deeply rooted that like you can't defeat it with your friends with a big sword exactly yeah I 
there, there's like a way that Ryden could do this that would make it, I think, work. But if it just is like sword fight, duel, like beat him or probably more likely escape, I think that would be a bit weak. I think so. Yeah, I, I really would have rather that he just stayed in the background. Make Hyperion yeah. the final boss fight. He, he would be a good final boss fight for Percy because Percy has to take him on without his invulnerability now. Ooh, that's a that's actually a good a good call, call because even with the invulnerability, he was a very tough fight for Percy. Yeah, so it'd be cool <sighs> that, to see like how much Percy has grown. Yeah, and it would have been interesting to like have it you know up against like with with Bob there mm. and sort of the the parallel stuff happening there. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. What's with the nickname that Hyperion gives Bob? What is it again? He's like, uh, everyone used to call you the piercer, but I think they should have called you the whimper. The whimper. What the fuck? That's not related at all. That's not clever. I I don't know. You had thousands of years to think of this dunk. It's like... It's, it's like the, the, the like radical you're radical but like kind of mean older sibling from like a disney channel show uh like like ah little bro you're just a whimper like that that's nothing this is a beavis and butthead insult (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) i i I want them to have the kind of sibling dynamic that makes it so they can like look at you for like five seconds uh just like run the calculations and say the exact thing that makes you just like want to crawl inside of yourself for 10 years that's that would see that would be pretty good although i am also now imagining hyperion and Krios as beavis and butthead and i do kind of like this version that is funny <laughs> i yeah so for percy and annabeth's chapter or i guess percy's chapters sorry annabeth you don't get to say a lot here uh and also with the <laughs> percy's name is there uh, <laughs> um, I I think that like I'm hesitant about what's gonna happen. I I think I'm just really like you're right that it feels like he should not care about them. Like mm. it, I wh- why is he like now I want to personally kill you? Like it feels like he could have done that at any time. He says like that he he has never even done this to like get rid of the Olympians, and I feel like it should it should have stayed that. That's it. That is a really cool thing to have if he just stays in the background as, like, he do- he doesn't even give a shit about the Olympians. You are fucking insects to him. But, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, Leo has a has fireproof pouch, so that's cool. That is cool. It's cool that he has that. It's <laughs> a little bit fucked up that he, he insists on testing it after he puts Frank's a piece of wood in it. Uh-huh. Like he could have just done that before you handed it over, you little shitbag. He could have, he could have tested it before. Yeah, he could have been like, "Hey, look, that, like, like Hazel, hold this for a second. I'm gonna throw it. Like, I'm gonna throw a fireball at it." <laughs> that might be a little more irresponsible. That might kill Hazel. I guess so. I can. Okay, Leo. Leo can throw fireballs. He can become on fire. Can he just like snap his fingers and have fire happen, like Roy Mustang? Like, can, can he like set fires at places he can see? That would be incredibly sick if he could do that. Yeah, it would be. God, <laughs> I want Leo to do the fucking like. What's the what's the Roy Mustang rap? The what? You know the Roy Mustang rap from like the bloopers that 
the voice actor does. It's like, aw, uh, snap, snap, spark, spark. It's time to light up the diggy, diggy dark. I'm the flame alchemist and I'm going to be pure. My rhymes are hot and my flames are pure or something like that. I've never heard this before. It's really funny. I'll send it to you. Thank I think you. it's from the same set of bloopers that you get the the, the famous... uh uh the mom's like grandma's making stew tonight now responding fuck yeah okay that is pretty good i do like that one i'll i'll find it for you really fast <laughs> leo leo fucking would like make up his own shitty rap track and try and sing yes, it during battle it would be <laughs> the just... worst thing that anyone has ever heard i really want that to happen yeah can i just send this to you and have you watch it really fast yes Every day, Leo becomes more of a Dave Strider. <laughs> okay, what is this? Really, it's over this scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I were Hughes in this situation, I'd be kind of glad I got shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And so uh, Leo would do this, definitely. Leo would 100% do this to Frank while Frank is like calling him for help. God, I <laughs> and Frank probably would call him for help at this point because uh, it, he's like, wow, Leo's just like a, a nicer guy nowadays. Leo is no longer trying to hit on my girlfriend, and I really appreciate this change of behavior. Yeah, he's no longer like teasing Frank at all. Uh, which I kind of thought that already, like they kind of already got over that, but I guess yeah, not. Leo already. Well, Leo stopped doing it. Frank was kind of kind of still thought it was a problem. Right, yeah, right. We we discussed that. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, and there's something interesting about like Leo has gotten a bit more mature. I got like I like. Mm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like he's gotten more mature now that he has gone through like a little like a concentrated sort of heartbreak. I guess. Uh, he's he's experienced romance. He's a man now. Right, like he doesn't have to be kind of creepy towards Hazel. He he already has a love. <laughs> like I uh, I don't know. I uh, yeah I I kind of I get your hesitancy around it, but I do kind of I do like how quickly the the Leo and Hazel thing is dropped. A because it sucked and it was a drag in the last book, and B because like it feels like a fairly realistic depiction of how like a, a crush at that age works. Well, Leo was like, oh, I, you know, Hazel, uh, the, she's forbidden to me. She's with that asshole Frank. Blah, blah, blah. And then, like, literally one other girl he likes comes along and he forgets that Hazel exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, th that's, that, that's very fair. I, I, I do agree with you. I think that, like, um, it's, it's weird thinking back how much emphasis has been put on them, though. Like, are, are Nico and... I'm sorry, aren't are Leo and Hazel the ones who like spent all that time in Hades together? No, it was Frank, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they were they were in because um, Frank got pulled into a fucking hallucination dream thing in Son of Neptune. Yeah, and they spent like a hundred years there together or whatever. Yeah, that for a second I thought that was Leo, but I think I'm confusing that with like the Sammy stuff. Yeah, yeah, he got pulled into Hazel's uh, flashbacks with the Sammy stuff in Mark of Athena. And now she's cured. And now, now she's all better. Uh, the House of Hades. It's a hole in the ground. It's a hole. I'm kind of confused. I thought that I thought that the witch was supposed to be there to offer them the poison. 
Oh yeah, because that was kind of what Leo was dreaming about. He was like the the witch was like offering him a choice, but that didn't happen, I guess. Yeah, maybe that's part of what makes it feel so underwhelming. Yeah, it's just kind of a place that they walk into. I feel like uh-huh. at, at the at bare minimum, one of them should have tried to go in without the poison, gotten their ass kicked, and had to come back out and drink the poison. <laughs> that would have been really funny. That's like almost <laughs> like a that's like a SpongeBob comedy bit, I think. <laughs> Uh, but you know, Percy Jackson can sometimes operate at its best when it's doing SpongeBob style comedy bits. Exactly, the highest form of comedy. Of course, of course. Well, season seasons one through three only, of course. <laughs> are, are those the ones people like? I'm not sure. I don't know or particularly care. <laughs> <laughs> I with your SpongeBob opinions, so I can ignore them. Oh God. Uh Jane, give us one SpongeBob opinion. People who want to fuck Sandy Cheeks don't deserve rights. I think that's fair. Squid Squid Bob is kind of is kind of overrated in today's economy. <laughs> I I think they're comparing contrasting like this and sort of the underground and Mark of Athena is interesting because this has like a lot of good detail given to like you know, like, how it is throughout, like, the certain rooms. Uh, and I think that generally the sense of them being, like, lost, going through, like, these infinite branching paths, not really quite knowing where to go, going based on vibes, that's done pretty well. Uh, but it doesn't have the same... Mark of Athena's three rooms, but those three rooms were, like, pretty good rooms. They were good rooms, and I think I think part of it was, like because it was just Annabeth alone, the the narrative could really, like, focus in on, like, she got fucked up on that quest. She, like, broke her leg. She got, like, almost to crush to death. There were spiders everywhere. And, like, it was shorter than we would have liked, but you got the... You really got the vibe that this was kind of a miserable experience. Whereas, yeah, you know, we're yeah. kind of... We're juggling six characters, even if it is from Frank's perspective, so there's not really space to do any of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think the advantage here is that, like, unlike in Mark of Athena, where that was over in four chapters, uh, the, the this is only just beginning, it seems like. This is true. Who do you think this mysterious voice is that's communicating to Frank? Uh, I assume that this is What's-His-Face the Argonaut, Frank's, like, long-lost ancestor from Greece. I think it's the Argonaut, too. I At first I was like, oh, is it his grandma? Because she's, like, maybe still alive. Yeah, yeah, it's like she like turned into a dragon and flew out of the house or something. And then probably like died of old age. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a dragon, it was just like a bird. Uh, it was a bird. But but uh I do think that like I'm not sure like I I at first I thought it was her, but I it's definitely the Argonaut. Mm. Uh and th- this leads to one of my favorite scenes in the book so far with uh just Frank fully fully achieving what we've wanted for him all along. We've complained so long, like, hey, why isn't Frank becoming the leader? Why is Frank not the leader? He, you said he was going to be the leader, Riordan. Hey, Rick, you've been you've been talking about this for, like, three books now and didn't really do anything with it. Yeah. I'm glad we finally and, got there. Yeah, I'm glad we're here. Uh, he had to become, like, hot first before he could be the leader, but... <laughs> He had to have his glow up. Yeah. However, when it happens, it happens, like, in a way that I really appreciate. Like, him... 
there's like it's like very small it's like a paragraph but like as soon as frank steps up uh he he like starts belting out orders to all of the crew and like they're all exactly playing to like everyone's strengths mm, like yeah he, he he knows how they should all work in battle and he knows how they should work together in battle and like he's making the argo 2 crew into an effective unit and i think that's really cool which is kind of and i think it underscores the fact that like he's not just like a good leader he's a good roman leader because what we keep hearing in these books is like the greek heroes are just kind of solo murder hobos Whereas the the Roman legions are much more organized, and Frank being able to organize everyone, including the Greek heroes, in that way, I think underscores like, yeah, no, he's a good pick for Praetor. Yeah, uh, Jason. Jason gets a a bit of resolution to his arc here too, I guess, yeah. uh, because this shows that he really has just like chosen a side. He's decided he's happier at Camp Half Blood, and he gives up being Praetor to Frank. Yep. Does doesn't even really seem to think about it. <laughs> No. He's like, oh, yeah, that's what I need to do. Uh, fuck it. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. I He's living his truth, I guess. <laughs> he, he's inspired by Nico. He's come out as a Greek. <laughs> Which is basically the same thing as coming out as gay. I think so. <laughs> I, I really do love him just, like, taking down two Cyclopes. That is very cool. Especially because the second one is, like, pissed terrified of him. Yeah, we, like... Book two, Sea of Monsters. Uh, the the main antagonist was one Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he, he was kind of big. Uh, now we have Frank out here soloing two of them. I think that's awesome. I mean, not, not, not to turn this once again into the, the Leo and Frank competing against each other, but Leo did solo three of them in Lost Hero. He did. He had <laughs> equipment, though, and Frank was, like, using just, like, a sword that he picked up. Yeah, famously not equipment. That's that's <laughs> nature's <laughs> weapon, the sword. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, like, a 20-ton fucking truck. I... <laughs> he wasn't driving Whatever. that around. He, he got an environmental kill. It, required, it took a lot of work to set up. You're right, it's a lot cooler. We'd get him more bonus points in the Hitman level. <laughs> I Leo does win here. The sword is nature's weapon, though. I, you have to concede that to me. Uh, yes, sure. Why not? I they, they grow in the ground, basically. I mean, these ones literally do. They do pop out of the ground with the uh, dead Roman zombie legionaries. Uh-huh. I like that uh, we're we're getting the return uh, Sea of Monsters return uh, rerun. Uh, we're getting the return of like dead zombie soldiers that yeah. Ares' children get to summon, but this time instead of Confederates, it's uh, not Confederates. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I, no, 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 no. These are the the uh, spiritual ancestors of the Confederacy. They're the Romans. I will spit out my fucking water. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Rick Riordan really thinks he has some stuff to say. <laughs> I mean, he does have some stuff to say, and he keeps saying it, and I think that's the problem. I think so. <laughs> I do. I do think that uh, he had been watching Lord of the Rings when he wrote this. Oh yes, because there's like there's the Minds of Moria bit where like they have to come to the three staircase and then pick which way they go down, and they got like the 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 
big room where they get surrounded by a big horde of enemies and they've got a ghost army which they have to like find the right the right person with the right birthright to command presumably like at one point one like leo will return and be like i'm leo the white now you know, like he finds out the setting fire to his jacket doesn't burn the material but it does burn all the dye out of it so it just turns white kind of cool kind of a cool look actually that would actually be kind of cool let me ask you this in cartoons did you ever have the thing where like a character gets an outfit change and they're wearing all white and it was like the coolest shit ever yeah the the weird cultist uniforms from Yu-Gi-Oh gx i remember thinking looked kind of cool as a kid there yeah there's absolutely that i think danny phantom had like a white uniform for a while mm. that was like his advanced uniform and like I don't know the classic like oh Tommy's back he instead of the Green Ranger he's the White Ranger you know oh yeah yeah like there I there it was a classic thing of like late nineties early two thousands power ups I guess that I I always appreciated uh uh-huh, uh-huh. they 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 all stole that from reading Lord of the Rings of course of course anything else you want to say Jane there's an interesting part of like uh, Bob's conversation with the Titans where he basically, like, justifies why he's stuck with the Olympians. Yeah. Which is, to me, almost as insane as Calypso's reasoning. <laughs> where oh, he's please like, go ahead. Where he basically says, uh, you know, maybe I am a janitor who gets treated like shit and paid barely anything in Hades' house. But, you know, jan- janitorial work, that's good, honest work. I'm cleaning things, I'm, like, I'm making the world a better place by doing it. And while he's not wrong about janitorial work being good and honest and important... I do think the fact that he is just like, no, it's good actually that I'm treated like shit by this god kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, we are going back to the like, the, cho- the having to have the choice be uh, either like grunt in the system or fascist <laughs> uh, really, really is just kind of mortifying. I don't, I don't like that this is this is the entire moral universe of Percy Jackson. Again, especially after the end of the last book seemed to indicate that there was that Percy was maybe like having his fucking third eye opened. I have this, maybe something will happen in this book too. I don't know. Please. <laughs> or maybe Rick Riordan is a coward. Maybe he just forgot. God. It's a long. It's we're like seven hundred pages into this book. There's no way he can't have forgotten. <laughs> He's very old. Authors are always writing books and like forgetting which character said something, and those will be like two hundred page books. Uh, Rick Riordan is like that they rick riordan is like he's pushing out a lot of hashtag content it, I, I just realized it is legit possible that he forgot that happened because we know from like the interviews uh the um on the percy jackson show that he like changed annabeth's eye color like three times because he kept oh, forgetting yeah. what it was <laughs> uh, i i can't tell you what the fuck it is no I, not a clue on... gray i assume that, kind of gray Oh, I, I, I think Gray might be right because she's like blonde, blonde beach girl, but she, she does, she has like gray eyes, and Percy has green eyes. Yeah, like sea green. I think that's right. Maybe we shouldn't be dunking on him for forgetting so much, since we apparently also don't remember shit. <laughs> We're a hundred and fucking what? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're. It's not dunking. It's what I'm trying to say is that it's completely understandable. Uh huh. Definitely, and people should understand it when we do it. Of course, of course. Uh, anyway, Jane, uh, let's end it. Uh, okay, so we got to do a segment. 
So our segment here that we like to call this Percy Jackson character is not cishet. Jane, how about you hit us off first with a character? Uh, my pick for this week is uh, Tartarus. I think he is he's respectfully requesting that uh, people do not perceive him uh, because uh, his dysphoria is acting up today. And I, okay, I find yeah. it heartwarming that Percy is uh, accommodating that. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's... We love to see some good trans guy rap. <laughs> the T in T-Boy stands for Tartarus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say... Millie and Coach Hedge are heteroflexible, uh, looking for a third. They're, 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 they're seeking their unicorn. Uh, you know, I, this is horrible. This is why Coach Hedge didn't wear the ring when he was going to Europe. He was going to try and chat some swingers. people up. Yeah. God, things are getting a little boring in the bedroom. <laughs> This is not actually a. This is this does not make them not cishet. I don't know. Millie's bisexual. Man, you know who fucking is cishet this week? Who? I, I don't know if there, there there can be anything more more cishet for for where Frank's character is going than discarding his bow and arrow, picking up like a traditional like child of Ares sword, and then doing like his big military commander thing. Man, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the bow and arrow so much for him. Yeah, I hope I hope he keeps doing it. I hope he doesn't ditch it. I hope not. Yeah, I I also like that throughout this serious battle, Piper is still using the fucking cornucopia. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that it hasn't left. Like I love that it's still like her main weapon. <laughs> well, her, her weapons are the the horn that spits out spam at people and the doom scroll knife. She's. It's not her fault she's bad at combat. She's fucked because her weapons all suck. Yeah, she got the she got the big sword from the incel, so that's good. But <laughs> all right, our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We're hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. Find that at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. Uh, you probably heard it either. You will hear it or you're about to hear it, or you did hear it already, or you have heard it, uh, but the Moon Carnival is coming up, 26th to 28th. Keep your ears peeled. We're raising money. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to find us, you can go to her.com slash unwisegirls, where we've got links to all of our social medias. We've got uh, updates on when we post. We've got visual companions. We've got uh, Jane will... Jane will drop a link to the Colonel Mustang rap so you can listen along in the in the new. Uh, do I have in, to put in, that on a Twitter? <laughs> the Colonel Mustang rap, yes, you do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we got all sorts of stuff on there. Uh, join our Discord server. Uh, if you want to support us, you can leave a five star rating and review. You can uh, go and tell a friend about us, or enter into your address bar, Patreon.com slash unwise girls where you'll find a world of wonders for only one dollar a month you get the discord role of camp counselor for three dollars a month you get the discord role of friend of bacchus as well as all of our bonus content as we mentioned before it allows you to call us a bitch in the discord server without getting banned uh it also means that you can listen to our latest bonus episode uh where we spend 10 minutes talking about what we think the grossest movies we've ever seen are 
So if that sounds appealing to you, and I'm not sure if it does, uh, hit, hit us up. If you like it when we go off on silly little tangents, it's we imagine us getting to talk about all sorts of topics. Imagine just an entire hour of silly little tangents. <laughs> uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus is Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week, we'd like to thank I Love Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Marcy, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Oh, goodness. Wasn't that a blast? I sure do love listening to all my great friends on the Moonshot Network, making jokes and having fun and doing all kinds of things with each other. You know, I kind of wish I could listen to more of the Moonshot hosts that I love. And you know what else I wish? I wish I could watch them playing video games and doing all kinds of other goofy, fun things that are really cool. And you know what else I wish? I wish I could listen to them all day for three days in a row while donating to a good cause. Well, the good news is, you and I can do that. And we're going to be able to do it at the end of this month. That's right, starting Friday, May 26th, it's the Moon Carnival. Your favorite Moonshot hosts and friends playing games, having fun, and raising money for Trans Lifeline. It's all happening on the Moon Carnival at twitch.tv slash moonshotnetwork this Memorial Day weekend, Friday, May 26th through Sunday, May 28th.